Yo, guys, welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. This is the first podcast that Dakota was unavailable, which is a little interesting. We have Daniel Barrett here on the other end. He is from AdWords Nerds. And after doing just a little bit of research, found out that he's got some certifications, qualifications. I haven't seen other Google AdWords people have. It seems like he actually knows what he's doing, which is a <laughs> sigh of relief <laughs> in the Google AdWords community. You know, everybody wants to be your marketing guy mm. and raise your uh, monthly Google ad spend until you look at the KPIs and find out that you're not actually accomplishing what you would like to be accomplishing. He has a few companies here. At least that's what I was able to find on my in-depth background check. And uh, I'm going to be asking him questions like, do you invest in real estate? Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's just getting started with Google pay-per-click? Uh, what kind of advice would you give to people who are looking to not spend any money, but still have a presence on Google? So Without further ado, this is Daniel Barrett. Dan Daniel, Lord, it looks like Daniel. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming on. He's never heard that joke before. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate it. That was a killer intro. Thank you very much for having me. I, I very much appreciate it. I'm happy to be on the first Dakota Free Podcast. I'm sure that's a bum out to everybody. But look, it's new ground. I, I'm excited to to I'm excited to experiment with your new direction here. So I'm I'm into it. So you, uh, from what it looked like when I was doing some research, it looks like you've been on some of the bigger podcasts. It looks like you've connected with a lot of folks who are big into real estate investing, and you market yourself as being specific to real estate investing marketing and you understand that a lot of people have investor care at websites and that sort of thing how is how big is your business so give us an idea of how much money you're making how many clients you've got how it's doing and then how you compare to other companies yeah so that's an interesting question man i don't think anyone's ever really asked me that specifically so yeah it gets into it gets into a little bit of like your philosophy of why you're in business. Like I am not in business to run the world's biggest agency. And in fact, the idea of getting much bigger than we are makes me break out in hives. Like I just know what I want for my life. So uh, AdWords Nerds about forever has been about $2 million a year uh, company. We typically manage anywhere between 50 and 100 clients at a time. It's typically more closer to 60 to 70 at any given time. Our whole business model is we want fewer clients. We want to spend a lot of time with those clients. So I want clients for years and years. I, I'm not at all trying to churn and burn through investors. I'm just not interested in it whatsoever, nor am I interested in managing a giant team. We're a team of eight i think right now we maybe get to 10 when we're adding people depending on the workflow and stuff like that but uh i don't like managing a big team like i really our whole you, you know a couple of years ago we sat down and we really thought about what kind of company we wanted to be and why we got out of bed in the morning and for me it is all about growth like i am in this industry for growth personal growth uh, helping my team grow, uh, helping our clients grow, like that is what it's about. But it's growth in the service of 
uh, quality of life. And for me, that means like, look, most of the people on my team have kids. We all work from home. We have been remote forever. Uh, and it's super important to us to have the kind of business where, hey, if my kids get sick, I can take the day off and go take care of them and nothing's going to fall apart. And our whole business is structured around that idea. How do we get the highest possible quality results for our clients without sacrificing our ability to enjoy our lives, take care of our kids, be there for our spouses when they need it, et cetera, et cetera, right? We don't have a time off policy. It's like take time off if you want to take time off, right? But because we have a small team, because we're very tight knit, and because we're very focused on a very, like you said, very narrow definition of our client, like I have been only doing this only for real estate investors for over a decade now, right? So we just get more and more efficient, more and more focused, and that helps us do a lot more with less. So that's kind of the way the business is structured. Like I'm in, I'm always interested in like a million different things. I'm learning to program with AI. I'm building an app over here. I'm, I'm trying to get certified as like a hypnotherapist, like all these things that are like totally unrelated. And if I had a job where I couldn't follow those intellectual interests, I think I would go crazy. That right? is awesome. Right at the end of that, you just said hypnotist. And I was like, I was just going to tell you, I was like, well, the first thing that I think of with personal growth, everybody that listens to this podcast is probably tired of me recommending them. PSI seminars has been one of the most impactful seminars on my life. And then shortly after that, I got into neuro-linguistic programming because huh. entrepreneurship is just personal development in disguise. Anything yeah. that happens in your business is going to get exposed. And then you're going to find out that like, oh, that's actually a problem with me almost always. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you made some good points there too about like, you were basically explaining the difference between somebody who's a manager and somebody who's a leader because you were talking about innovating, constantly figuring out what the next thing is, educating yourself, growing, and then making sure that you're taking care of yourself because in order to keep giving, you have to keep growing. Yeah. So uh, write down PSI, NLP. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down PSI. That's that's super. I've never heard of that. So I will definitely check it out. I All that stuff I love, right? If you're like, you're, if someone's like, hey, this is a really cool seminar. I'm like, I'm already halfway there. Like I just... I love a good seminar. So I'm in. That sounds cool. I have a certificate in uh, hypnosis and also a certificate in mental emotional release. My hypnosis skills aren't fantastic. I actually like MER the best, mental emotional release, because they're, okay. sort, of, they're sort of in between conscious and subconscious. Yeah. But wow, uh, fascinating. All right, cool. Yeah, so I mean, this was a whole thing. I had Brad Chandler, who is the guy behind Express Homebuyers, a really well-known real estate investor on my podcast. And he was like, I'm completely shifting over to this business focusing on hypnosis. And I had no, no contact with hypnosis whatsoever, had an incredible experience. I highly recommend that people uh, look him up for that kind of thing. And uh, just was like, well, now I have to learn this, right? But that's, that's what, that is always what has drawn me to online marketing and just working online in general. It's like, I am constantly curious about something, wanting to dive down the rabbit hole, and then trying to apply it in all sorts of different ways, right? Like we are, we are a business where I'm constantly trying to add something new and take something from a different industry or take something from something that's totally unexpected, right? And this is an industry and a world where you can just do that. Right? Like if I want to take a break and learn about hypnosis, I can. Maybe that helps me get motivated seller leads. I don't know. 
but I have faith that like over time, those little innovations and those little changes really make our service different from our competitors who are typically, and this is not casting shade, this is true of any industry you look at, the vast majority of people are primarily looking at the people directly ahead of them and wondering what they are doing. Mm -hmm. And our whole approach has always been, hey, I'm not going to look at other online marketers. Like my biggest influences have always been like Dr. Eli Goldratt, who was the founder of Theory of Constraints, Dave Snowden, who was like a complexity theorist in uh, at Intel uh, in the 80s, came up with the Kinevin framework. I take a lot from a lot from like W. Edwards Deming, who did statistical process control. Like these are all things that are very well known. They're in the public, but they're not things that online marketers think about because they're just worried about the person in front of them. And so hopefully over time, that really differentiates what we do from what everybody else does. Yeah, that's interesting too. I think that with real estate investors, we've seen a big shift from win-lose ethics to win-win ethics over the years, mm -hmm. from the slumlord to the more sophisticated investor who actually wants to give back and help other people get started. Yeah. And so once you get your Lamborghini and figure out that it doesn't make you happy and you go back to help other people to coach them, you figure out that you can tell them what to do and how to do it and they're not going to. So that's why I, when I learned mental emotional release, it was a big epiphany for me because it's like, you know, there's only one wire in your brain that goes back to a memory and then down to an emotion. So anytime you experience something in real time, you have to anticipate what the potential outcome is going to be. And that's like your conscious mind. Well, then you go back and find the memory, but unfortunately the memory is attached to an emotion. And what I've learned how to do is help people release the negative emotion from the past, which some people call baggage so that that way they can start taking action more so in the present. Then when you do coaching, it's not like walking through quicksand. It's not like, Oh man, I got to get up and work out. And I like, I just don't have the. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before. And honestly, we've tried several different CRMs and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. This is just <laughs> walking through quicksand. Yeah, the uh, my first ever first ever business coach I ever hired way back in the day where I was like just starting to freelance. I was doing website design. I did not have a target client. Like I didn't know what I was doing, right? But I was like, I want to try to do something. First guy I ever hired as a coach, this guy, Michael Port, who wrote this book, Book Yourself Solid, which is like a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, great book, right? And Michael Port's awesome. So one of his things, and it's really been one of the things that he would always say that stuck with me the most is he would always say, all business problems are personal problems in disguise. And uh, it's, it's irritatingly true. It's very irritatingly true, right? Because most of the time, if you have a problem, you probably know what to do about it, or at least you have some idea of how to get started. And if you're not, there's usually some kind of block going on, whether it's just, hey, I'm anxious about getting on the phone with people or, you know, I don't want to talk to my clients because what if they're mad at me or, you know, whatever, right? Everyone's got their own stuff. 
and we all have to get over it in order to make progress right growth is always kind of just beyond your comfort zone right it's like just beyond what you're willing to do or or, or feel comfortable doing so yeah man i think that's a cool approach I, i'm all for like just bring in as many different approaches as possible nobody's got a, a stranglehold on the truth as far as i'm concerned especially when it comes to business or or personal growth or things like that because we all have different needs Right. So for some people, hypnosis is going to be amazing. Other people just need I literally uh, I'll tell you, what, like I tried to lose weight for for years and years and years. And only thing that worked for me was I hired this dude. His name is Huggy. Huggy is amazing. He, he's a Marine or a, they say there's no, no such thing as an ex-Marine, but he was a Marine. Like a dude. Yeah. Big, giant dude. Tattoos all over his body. He's got the Punisher skull tattoo like on his neck. And he just yells at me. He just judges me when I eat too much. And that works. That works for me. I'll pay Huggy every week. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it works. So everybody's got something different that they're going to need or it's going to work for them. And the more diverse the, the, the source of ideas you can pull from, I think the better it's going to be. Mm-hmm. One, one thing that I thought of immediately, there's a submodality. Uh, you, you know, anytime you have some food that you picture in your mind, usually there's an internal representation and a trigger and that sort of thing. It's a reason why you go eat that food. So if somebody has a problem with one specific food, I can associate it something with something else in their mind and then lock that in place. So for somebody who works for me, she really wanted to stop drinking Diet Coke and she had a bad experience with Jägermeister. <laughs> they're they're similar. Well, that's look, we've all had bad experiences. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're both the same color they're both something that she's tasted before she has an internal representation for both of those and then you just grid the two together and lock them in place so that's something else for you to to look into with nlp it'll it'll stop you from doing certain behaviors or eating certain foods you know it's pretty- yeah that's that's fascinating man i, I love that it's uh I think jaeger is my wife's go-to gross drink too so you know let's just say there's a checkered past for Jägermeister <laughs> here in the United States. No offense to uh, the Germans or whatever. Uh, but yeah, man, I think that's great. So I, my, one of my questions was who inspires you? And you already kind of named a few. Um, I expected like, you know, Alex Hermosi or Tim Ferriss, but maybe I'm mm. just like, I'm 10 years younger than you-ish. And so maybe those are more like the uh, – nerdier guys who like would inspire me it sounded like you got really niche i've never heard of those people before and i feel like you're a lot nerdier than i am but that comes with the name (laughs) of your entire company and then also i was looking over your education and i was like wow you didn't take easy stuff in college you got a, a bachelor's of science in japanese language and literature you were playing chess which i haven't even tried it's kind of like golf i'm just like oh man i don't want to learn something from scratch i'd like yeah really genuinely not interested i was a wrestler and a fighter japanese language club and then you uh got a master's degree in history and and education so you double mastered and so i'm looking at all of this and i'm like wow you accumulated this vast wealth of knowledge that will get you almost no job anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, so I majored in Japanese because uh, I what ended up happening was, so I, I'm, I'm from Connecticut. I grew up here in Connecticut. And in my school district, when I was coming up, like in second grade, you chose a language and you could choose Spanish or French. And you're in second grade. 
So it's like, you don't know what the hell is going on. So and there like, are a bunch of Japanese Spanish. kids in Connecticut. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like, so I'm taking Spanish and I, I'm just not having a good time. I never got good grades in Spanish. In my head, I was like, I'm bad at languages, right? This is what you learn. Like, I'm just bad at languages. I got straight D's and C's in Spanish all the way up till 10th grade. So it's eight straight years of Spanish. 10th grade, you could switch your language for the first time. That's the only time. And your two options were Japanese and Russian. So I was like, I have to get out of Spanish. I knew nothing about Japan. I just switched into Japanese and ended up loving it, like loving the class. It was taught by a community college teacher. And so it was just a totally different vibe. I was like, I was born old, right? Like I, I'm like 43. I was basically born 43 years old. And so even from a kid, it's like, I'd never liked high school or whatever. When I got to college, that was my jam. So. I did really well in Japanese. I was like, that's cool. Finally got some good grades. When I applied to college, I only applied to one school, which was my safety school, which is UMass Amherst, because I was like, eh, why bother applying to more than one school? <laughs> Just apply to the easiest one. Got rejected, right? But I wrote on my application as an incoming freshman that my major would be Japanese. And I did that because I found out that I could get cheaper rates uh, I would basically count as like an in-state student, even though I was from Connecticut and UMass is in Massachusetts. So I basically did it to get like $20,000 off my total college bill. I later found out I did end up getting into UMass. I later found out that the only reason I got accepted was that the Japanese department was close to being cut from the school, like their funding was being cut and they didn't have any incoming majors. I was the only one. So they fought for me and got me in. So like, that's the story oh. there. It was, it was pretty mercenary but i i did it and then when i got out of college i wanted to be a teacher like i consider myself a teacher my mom's a teacher my aunt was a teacher my grandmother was a teacher like it's in our family and so i was like training to be a high school teacher man i wanted to be a high school history teacher so that's where the masters came from i got certified to teach i taught in middletown connecticut here uh did worked in public schools for like eight years um, I only started freelancing because I was trying to save up money for like for a wedding. Basically, I was engaged. I wanted to have a wedding, you know, as you do. And your and wife is Japanese. Uh, what's that? That and your wife was Japanese. Uh, no, my my wife is uh, Vietnamese American, but uh, no, it was, I I met my wife in high school before I ever did the Japanese thing. Mm. It was like, you know, it's like, look, if they had given me twenty thousand dollars off to major in engineering, I probably wouldn't be here right now, right? <laughs> but um, you know, but what? What history and, and all those things taught me was the ability to, I always say like, I only do three things, which is I read, write, and take notes. That is what I do. Like I am constantly reading. So for example, you, you said, you mentioned Tim Ferriss. When I was in college, that was when four hour work week came out. And I spent probably two years trying to do like drop shipping sites for, for knives from China and like all this weird stuff, right? Trying to do the Tim Ferriss thing of, making money online and it never quite worked out but in that process i got the skills that i use today most of my online marketing skills the first time i ever did google ads i was doing the classic tim ferris thing of you test the different headlines with a google ad and see what happens right so from there i just kept reading and reading and reading right so it was like well who does tim ferris cite Tim Ferriss sort of harkens back to all these people who did process improvement methodology. So like Lean, Six Sigma, what we call today the Toyota way, 
which which comes from like Taiichi Ono, who was like an engineer that worked at Toyota at the time, who was sort of the father of the Kanban system and like all these things that ended up working their ways into manufacturing and becoming this kind of process improvement idea, which is where W. Edwards Deming comes from, where uh, Eli Goldrack came from. Like these are all these were all the Tim Ferriss of their day. They were just there in the 60s and 70s and 80s doing like the original work that sort of formed the foundation of all that stuff. So I'm exactly with you. Like those were all the people that really inspired me. Hormozy, not so much. I mean, he seems like a very nice dude, but he just he sort of came after my time. But my whole method of basically everything I've ever done in my life comes from, wow, I really like this book. Who's in the references? Like who are the citations? Let me go read them. And what ends up happening is you keep working your way backwards to ideas that form the foundation of the stuff that everybody's doing today. And you can usually take it in a slightly different direction, right? NLP is a great example. NLP, you've got like a Tony Robbins and Bandler or Grindler, and I can't, can't remember, right? But like a lot of it takes from Milton Erickson, right? So you can go and read Milton Erickson and get like kind of what he was doing. And then he goes even further back and he cites like all these other people that I haven't gotten to yet. But like that approach to life, that's what brings me joy, right? Like I love that stuff. I love that sense of, hey, I'm exploring an idea and there's always something to pull from. Um, I just find it super fascinating. And like, you know, to bring it back to online marketing, man, you couldn't pick an industry that changes more rapidly, that constantly gives you stuff to think about. Man, I wasn't thinking about AI at all last year. Like last year, I was like, how is crypto going to change real estate? Now this year, I'm like, oh, we're all going to be dead because the AI is going to turn us all into paper clips or whatever, right? <laughs> like, well, now I got to think about that. And like, that could be exhausting. And I think it is exhausting for a lot of people. But for me, it's what makes it fun. Like, I think I would get bored if I had to do the same thing every day. So I'm very, very lucky to be in the industry that I'm in. I, I find it, it's a good kind of mixing point of the stuff that I like. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, We'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below. Buy the course. Yeah, that's awesome. I that Same thing with me. Uh, artificial intelligence, I found out about last year. Uh, fiddled around with it a little bit. Still haven't seen exactly what I should be doing with it. Chad GPT, that sort of thing is the big one that yeah. everybody you know, writes a letter to their grandma using it or whatever. But... <laughs> <laughs> Your grandmother. Yes. Uh, thank you for siring uh, my whatever. <laughs> That's an interesting one. I'm a big like a uh, automations person. Like I love tooling around in Zapier or whatever, Google Sheets. That's like what I do to procrastinate. I use a lot of OpenAI, OpenAI, which runs GPT. Um, I use a lot of that in my business now. I used it before this call. I was like, hey, I need a Google Sheet formula to calculate XYZ. Pop it in there, get the formula out. That works super well. We also, we've moved to using it for some of our reporting. We'll feed it Google Ads data and get out a written description of what that data means. Um, but, you know, is it 
this idea that, hey, you're going to sick it on the motivated seller and it's going to buy the house for you. We're probably like several years away from that, but it is interesting, man. It is a, a really fun time to be alive. We'll put it that way. <laughs> That's funny. Jet GPT just put 10 houses under contract and they paid way too much for all of them. We got a problem. <laughs> I mean, basically that's what Zillow was doing a couple of years ago, right? They had this very highly automated algorithmic house buying process and they stopped doing that. So I don't think it worked out super well, uh, but uh, you never know. We will probably get somewhere near there at some point, but uh, I am kind of the mind, again, if you, you read a lot about complexity, read a lot about complex systems and how they work. I don't think it's quite as possible as we think to have a computer program just making the smartest decision all the time. Maybe it is, I could be totally underestimating our, uh, our cyborg brethren, but um, I think people are gonna have jobs for quite a while. At, le at least, fingers crossed, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So you help real estate investors. Do you invest in real estate in yourself? Do you have any uh, rentals or anything like that? I don't, man. So here's my thing. I will probably end up doing some invest in, investments in like syndications and stuff like that. Um, but you got to know yourself in business, right? Like I'm a huge believer in you have to take an unvarnished look at yourself, at your strengths, at your weaknesses. And I, I will tell you what, I would be a terrible real estate investor, terrible, because I am high level, big picture. That's what I like. I like the new thing and then I wanna move on. I'm not super detail oriented, right? I have to have system after system after system in order to help me do that. And while I could probably apply myself to real estate investing and do that and get some, get some money out of it, it's not where the biggest leverage is for me. I would rather be the ads guy that knows the real estate investing industry so that I can apply what I know to that industry rather than try to do both at the same time. I think it's absolutely possible. I was thinking about like Nick Perry is a good example of an investor who, he was actually my first ever coaching student, um, sort of drove up to Connecticut, which no one ever does, like drove up here to like kind of meet and I was, he was like, you got you know, you got to teach me what you know, and sort of applied that to his business, absolutely crushing it, doing really good deal volume nationwide, um, primarily using Google ads, right? And he's somebody that can do both, but he's also managing a sales team and like working the comps and knows every little tiny detail. I am not that guy. Like, I am just not that dude. I just like I said, I, I want to be over here on hypnosis and over there on something else and over here on something else. So I've always said, like, if I'm going to invest in real estate, it's probably time for me to do that. Um, it's going to be something that's super passive and it's going to be someone where I'm like, hey, you know, deals like I'm just going to give you money. And I would much rather take a lower cut and have that off my plate. Right. One of our friends, we went from, uh, he went from being one of our competitors in residential real estate to mainly commercial and syndications. He mm -hmm. used to be a full-time uh, pharmacy manager at a major hospital around here. Whoa. And then eventually got to the point where he was just like, man, I think it's time to like burn the ships. Like I got to leave so I can spend time with my family and everything. Like my kid's going off to college, you know, I still have a daughter and that sort of thing. So uh, I've got his contact info. I'll let you know after the show, his syndication or he's, he's in syndications with some important people like, you know, bearded Brandon from bigger pockets and some of those guys, 
Whitehaven Capital is the name of that one. And he actually sold us the Fort Wayne Real Estate Investors Association when he left, when he was basically like, I'm done with residential. And he looked at us and he's like, you guys have always been my biggest competitor, but you've always done it in like an honest, sincere way. You've never screwed me over on a deal. And then I noticed how open and vulnerable you guys are being. So here, I'm going to sell it to you. And so we've continued the tradition. And the difference between our Real Estate Investors Association and others is that we don't charge any dues. So it's completely free. Then we mm. use sponsorship money in order to fund it. And uh, we're working on getting a, a full-time place for us to have them. So we don't have to keep bouncing around to like the, you know, the local place. Oh, that's really cool. It, you mean to sort of like literally have like a permanent building or something for us? Yeah. Yeah. So for people that are just getting started, because a lot of people who watch this are folks who haven't done a deal yet. Mm -hmm. uh, I always tell people, go get the Google business page, like have a postcard sent to wherever like it could be <laughs> your it could be at your real estate brokerage and then yeah. you just name it something different or like as long as you can get that six digit code and put it in <laughs> and then i always encourage them to go leave reviews at like the mcdonald's they just went to and like the like get build up your credibility as like a google consultant or whatever until uh people can start leaving you reviews and then once you get a few reviews then go out there and get some deals so what what do you think is the easiest way to get started? What should people be doing if they have zero dollars? Yeah, so I think what you just laid out is is really smart. And I always say, look, it, what is most important in this kind of online marketing space, far more important than the specific channel you choose or the strategy that you use, it's it's really just being consistent. It is being consistent. Like if you look at so think about the way that online marketing works, particularly, and, and I'm being specific here, we'll talk about online marketing in Google, whether you're talking about organic, which is you just go into Google and you type in something and you click the first thing that shows up, right? Or if you're talking about paid, which is ads, right? Or, or whatever. The way that that works is it's a zero sum game. There's only one person in the one number one spot at any given time, okay? So it's a ranking game. Google is looking at you and it's looking at your competitors and saying, okay, let me make a list with what I think is the best result for this searcher all the way up at the top. And then number two, and then number three, and I'm trying to figure out where you go. Okay, so that is the game. And there's only ever one person in the top, one person at the bottom, right? And it gets more complicated than that, but that's essentially the case. So whenever you are in a ranking game like that, there is, it is never a question of, well, what's the checklist that I need to check off in order to be successful? Because if there was such a checklist, then everyone would just check off what's on the checklist and you'd be right back at the beginning because there'd be no difference between anybody and Google wouldn't know how to rank you, right? So it's never about what do I have to do? It's about what do I do that my competitors won't or don't, right? What can I do that is different? And I will tell you that after a decade now, I'm doing both ads and organic marketing for investors and seeing every possible service and blog and website under, I literally think I've seen like every possible real estate investor website under the sun at this point. I will tell you that the one thing that is like the rarest possible thing is consistency. What most investors want to do is like pay someone 500 bucks to like do it 
and then it's done. And then I'm going to get a bunch of leads online, but that's not how it works. It's about who can put in the time. So for example, you could start to get leads via social media and that's free to start up an Instagram account and start putting posts up about, Hey, I'm doing this house. Hey, I'm doing that. Make your content interesting. Make it so that it's not just a sales pitch where like everything you put out is like, sell your house fast, sell your house fast. We buy houses, sell your house. Like no one wants that, right? So make it interesting, make it cool. Look at what's on HGTV, where people literally watch people flip houses, for, you know, all day. And think about what you can put out that's gonna be like that. Or get a free blog somewhere, put it up there. Or like you said, do the Google Maps route. Google Maps is very powerful, it's localized. So if somebody's typing in like, sell my house, it's going to show Google Maps results for people that are close to that person or at least somewhat geographically related to that person's area. And so it's a way of kind of getting in there um, in, in an easier way than trying to build out your whole own website or whatever. So yeah, start to review other places, right? Like I review restaurants all the time just because I'm like, I always wanna blow up a local restaurant. Like I give them all five-star reviews, right? So I'm like, just do that, right? Have fun with it. And then start to build up your own page you can put blog posts on that page right you can put pictures of you and your houses on that page right make it interesting none of that costs money the thing that is more important than anything is one consistency and two it's just doing something like I, i'm telling you you cannot and this is my personal opinion obviously i'm biased right take everything i say with a grain of salt at all times but i don't think you can run a serious business without some kind of online presence I just don't think it can happen. The first thing I do when I see a new business is Google it. That's what I do. I'm like, what else do they have? Like what's out there that maybe they don't want me to see? That's what everybody, you send them a postcard, vast majority of people are gonna Google you first. They're at least gonna Google your phone number to see if you come up on like a spam registry or something, mm -hmm. right? So you gotta have something, something that makes you look legit, a LinkedIn profile, hey, that's free. Make a LinkedIn profile, be like, I buy houses, blah, blah, blah. So that if someone Googles your name, something that you want them to see comes up. Everything else is, you know, it's important, but there's diminishing returns. It all depends on how much time and how much money you want to spend and yada, yada, yada. But like the first step is the biggest one. And that's just having something up there, right? So best would be having your own website, populating with content making it cool, right? If you can't do that because you literally have zero dollars, right? You don't want to go the carrot route or you don't want to get a WordPress site or whatever, totally get it. Be on social media, get a Facebook page, get an Instagram account, put stuff up there, get a LinkedIn, do the Google My Business, do all the free stuff. And like people will find you that way. It might not blow you up to 100 deals a month or whatever, but it's going to get you started. It's certainly going to make all the other marketing you do way easier. Does that make sense? Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to direct-to-seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about batch leads is that if you skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try batch leads today. Yeah. 
So we had some Google pay-per-click ads running. I thought the guy was a pretty good guy because of the people he was associated with. We started getting a lot of traffic, but it wasn't good traffic. And they weren't using a lot of negative keywords to kind of like sort out the people who are looking for, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff we were getting was, unfortunately, we named our company LTD Property Group when we first got started. And so a lot of people were like looking for houses to rent or mm. rent to own or, you know, uh, seller finance deals or something like that. And so we just started getting a lot of junk leads out of it. The cost per click was low, but the quality of the traffic we were getting, so our click-through rate was pretty bad. Yeah. Was he more like not doing a good job or is it good to drive a bunch of traffic to your site? Like, does it make it rank higher in search or is the click-through rate more important than driving a bunch of traffic? Like how... How do we make sure that we're ranking high for those we buy houses type searches and still not getting this massive number of negative keywords? Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, and what I'll say is that, and I deal with this in my business, right? So everybody deals with this in some way or another. When you are working in an ad account or you're an ad manager, you're an online marketer, whatever, you're a person like me. It is very easy to assume that what can be measured are the only things that matter, right? And so when someone logs into a Google Ads account, they look at the numbers that Google gives them. And if they're the kind of person that's like, hey, we got 100 clicks today, that's a ton, right? And we got maybe 50 leads, that's super good. And our cost per lead was only 20 bucks. Awesome, right? It all sounds great, but the problem is the only number that matters in that whole process is revenue, right? It's not even revenue, it's profit. That's all that matters, right? I could generate 10 deals for you today, but if you pay more to acquire them than you make selling them, you're out of business, right? So no, it's not even deals, it's not even leads, it's not impressions, it's not clicks, none of those matter, it's profit. And the problem is, it's often hard for an ad manager to measure profit, particularly in real estate, because there's a long lag between when a lead is generated and when revenue or profit is generated, right? You've got to go to an appointment, you've got to sit down, you got to have the conversation, you go back and forth, then they got to sign it, and then you, you got to rehab it, and then you got to sell it, and then blah, 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 and then only then is the revenue generated actually hits the account. That might be six months, eight months after that lead was generated, right? So there's a very long lag in the, the sort of improvement, sort of self-improvement feedback loop there. And that is the fundamental problem of running ads in real estate. Right. So I'll give you an example. What you are describing this approach where you're like, hey, my cost per click, meaning the amount I paid for every single click got really low. I got a ton of traffic. Right. Maybe we got leads. Maybe we didn't. But we're having lead quality issues. This is a classic example of someone either doing a significantly high number of broad match keywords or doing something that's called Google Display Network, sometimes referred to as pro, uh, performance max or discovery campaigns. And essentially what these do is, I always say like there's only two strategies, right? There's only two strategies. There's penny candies where you go to the penny candy store and every piece of candy costs a penny, 
but they're all like Necco wafers and those weird like sea salt <laughs> taffy things and like just you know the the candies that your grandmother would have like on a, in a bowl that's like not like the best candy right but it's cheap and you can get a lot of it right or you so you can go penny candy or you can go down to the drugstore and you can get the king size snicker snickers bar and you're only going to get one but it's the king of it's the king of candy bars right it's up there right and you're getting a big one so those are the only two strategies you're going king size snickers bar or you're going penny candies broad match keywords google display network performance max all these things generate high volumes of traffic and may even generate significant volume of leads and low cost leads but their cost per deal acquisition is equal to or higher than the other approaches and that's largely because lead quality is low similarly you could go for example only what we call exact match keywords which are the most restrictive match type in Google, you can be really limited, really zero in our particular geographical area, only running desktop instead of mobile because you've decided that desktop traffic is a higher performance, blah, 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 blah. You could really, really get narrow, 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 narrow so that every lead you generate super high quality, super likely to close, but there aren't a lot of those in nearly any market you go to, and they're going to be really expensive to generate anywhere between 150 to $350 a lead. So what it becomes is not so much, is there a right or wrong strategy? I do not believe this. There is no such thing as a good strategy and a bad strategy. There is only ever a strategy that is appropriate for the client's budget constraints, for their risk tolerance, for their market, and for their goals. That is the only type of like strategic application that matters. Is it right for me right now? And for some people, like I've got a client that's like, hey, I want you to run tons of leads. I don't care about the quality so much because look, I got a team of salespeople ready to go. They're super hungry. They're amazing. If you feed me the leads that other investors would throw away, we're going to close a bunch of them. So he wants high volume. That's what he wants. He wants penny candies, right? Most other people are like, hey, I've only got so much time to be on the phone. I'd rather be making an offer on the highest possible percentage of those leads rather than answering a bunch of the phone for a bunch of people who are like, they think I called them when they called me, uh -huh. right? So it's like, that's again, everybody. It's just about <laughs> what is appropriate for you, what is appropriate for your situation. And from there, you kind of figure everything out. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. So we have about, 400,000 people in our surrounding counties. We do mainly one county and then a, a lot of other counties, which may be like 400,000 houses, 400, 400,000 is the population, really 500,000 people. Okay. Um, which, you know, maybe comes down to 250,000 houses or something like that. And we got like 15 major buyers as far as competitors. So it feels like the traffic of like, we buy houses or buy my house or, you know, things like that might not be as effective as like, you know, somebody who's buying property in New York or like California or something like that. Do you think that we would end up paying more or less than the average person? Or is it as worth it to do it when you have a, you know, is, is half a million people the right audience size to consistently get good quality leads? Where Where's your market again? Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I feel like I feel like maybe we had, you know, 3,000 people search, uh, sell my house or, uh, you know, a couple thousand 
like buy my house fast and things like that. And then of those, you know, we might've ended up with the 2000 people who visited our website, 200 of them submitted leads and the majority of them were junk. And so I just, we just recently shut off our Google pay-per-click ads because we were like, man, throwing away four to five grand a month and we're getting a lot of junk. And my sales guys already get a lot of junk from some of the other methods that we use. I, yeah. So for four to 5k per month in Indiana, although you're for Wayne, but for that area, you should be, you should be somewhere in the realm of, you should be closing about one out of every 15 to 20 leads you get your cost per deal acquisition should be somewhere around 3000 to 4,000. Okay. So that's what you could use as like metrics in your head. Now we'll say like, that's, it all, like I said, it all depends, but like generally that's a strategy that should be doable in that market, right? You're not in like Orange County, you're not in like Houston, uh, you're not in Florida, where we always say like in Florida, you throw a rock, you hit four real estate investors, right? So it's like, you just, it's going to be competitive for sure, but that's not like the most competitive market in the universe. So I think you should be somewhere in that range. And if you want, like, I'll look at it for free and I'll, I'll show you like how to do that. But like you are sort of hinting at the thing, which I think is actually super critical to hit on, which which I want to sort of emphasize for people, which is one of the most common questions I get is like, well, what keywords should I target? Right. And it just kind of doesn't work that way, because in every market, every keyword is priced differently and has a different amount of supply. So most people understand like the stock market, right? Like if I go to the stock market and I say like, okay, I want to buy a piece, you know, whatever, the share of Apple stock, right? That stock is going to be, it's going to cost me a different amount today than it did like a year ago, right? So sometimes people will be like, hey, like, well, what does the historical data say about like how much on average sell my house fast cost per click? And I'm like, well, if I give you the data from a year ago, it means nothing for today. It means nothing, right? Just like the stock price a year ago doesn't tell you what the stock price is today. That the stock could be a good price, could be a bad price, right? So that's how stocks work. Most people get that. So for keywords, imagine that same situation, right? sell my house fast, that keyword, that click, that's a stock. It's going to go up or down every single day, depending on the total amount of competition. But imagine that if every time you switch cities, stocks cost different amounts, depending on what city you were in. Mm -hmm. So if you went to Indiana, Apple stock might cost whatever it is, hundred bucks a share. Let's just make that up. And then if you went to New York, it was 150. But if you went to San Diego, it was 70. That's how the keyword market works, right? So whether or not a given keyword, for example, let's say, well, let's take your example. We buy houses. Let's assume that there's a lot of competition around we buy houses in your market, okay? A lot of people put up billboards that say we buy houses, okay? So is that keyword good for you to target or not? Well, it really depends. What's the lowest cost per click we can get for it? What's our conversion rate on that? Which is how, what percentage of those clicks turn into leads? And how many of those do we close? From that, we can determine what is our average cost per deal acquisition on that keyword. And for you, it might not be worth it. Whereas for someone else, that might be their best keyword. It totally depends, right? Again, it's not so much about what do I have to do in order to be successful? You have to look at it as a game. You are playing against other people. So it becomes 
not just like what is the what's going on, but like what are my competitors doing? What, and, one of our competitors is using our name. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But so people put on your name, right? That's so it's totally LTD name. Property Group dash, and then the name of their company, and then another dash, and then like we buy houses is like their you know Google thing, so that they're. Uh, when somebody we send out mailers all the time and we have a TV ad running. And so they're like, oh, well, you know, they're doing TV ads and mailers. So people are searching LTD property group because it's one of the most searched things in Fort Wayne. And so he's like, well, how do I beat them? I just use their name. Right. So it's like what you did, your strategy of doing this other marketing opened up an opportunity for them to do that type of marketing, right? Now, if you decide to bid on your own brand name, which I highly suggest that you do, you do get a huge bonus because Google's gonna know that you are you and they're not you. <laughs> so they pay like a penalty and you get a bonus. So it's like, you should be able to beat their pants, you know, whenever. But again, it's like, I think what, what traps a lot of people is they assume that what worked for one investor will work for them. And that is almost never the case. And I, I've done this so many times like hundreds and hundreds of accounts over a decade or more, right? And the one thing I've learned is that I can't predict jack squat. Like if you're like, what are you gonna get? I'm like, I'm like, let me make a prediction. And I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. Just like if I try to predict what the stock market's gonna do, I'm usually wrong, right? Buffett's usually wrong about what the stock market does. So like, you gotta have this approach where you get the data and you'll let the data show you what to do, right? And ultimately, that's what it's about. It's like, can you figure out, like, for example, you've got this account that's running. I guarantee you that account is telling you in Google Ads language what you need to do in order to, to improve your results. Whether it ever gets profitable enough for you to do forever, I don't know. There's some people that get priced out of their markets. It does happen, right? But my guess is there's at least some metrics in that account that are showing you like, hey, if you change X, Y, Z, this will improve in the direction that you want it to go in. And then it's up to you to decide whether that ROI is worth it or whether you get a higher, better use somewhere else. We've spent enough money that I get some Google representatives that are like, hello, sir, I am your quality manager for Google AdWords and I would like to help you. Look, everybody is listening to this. I will save you tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars by just saying, every time you get one of those calls from Google telling you they're going to help, just nod and say thank you and don't do anything that they tell you to do. Yeah, I was, I, I, the modifications they were telling me to make, I was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. No, almost universally terrible. I had a, uh, I had a similar issue and a technical issue inside Google. And uh, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I've asked like a bunch of other agency owners. Nobody knows what's going on. And the client that I was working for, he was like, well, look, someone from Google called me and they said they can fix it. And I'm like, I guarantee they cannot fix it. <laughs> like, I want, I want you to talk to him anyway. And I was like, look, I get it. It's your money. I'll talk to him. So I talked to the Google ads rep and she was like, she's like, you're right. This is a tough problem. I'm going to send you to the Google technical team. Google technical teams, like our highest ranked, you know, technical assets or whatever. It took me two weeks to get on their calendar, right? It was a long time waited very patiently got on they were like okay these are like the big guns i explained the problem and he's like let me look it up for a minute he like goes looks in the documentation he came back like 10 minutes later and was like i think you should talk to someone with google ads experience and i was like you are the person with google ads experience that's you know god bless them they're all working very hard but they don't know real estate and the vast majority of the time they have never 
ever managed a Google Ads account, they get paid to do stuff that makes Google money. So just ignore that stuff, please, please, please. You'll be way better off. You'll be way better off, which is watching a YouTube video and doing it yourself. I promise. So our our Google, our carrot site could use some work. Even carrot has given me some little red markers that are like, yo, your homepage sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> like carrots letting me know that like my page sucks. They're like, your website sucks. And it's the one that we send everybody to when we send out mailers. It's the one that people go to when they're calling us off our TV ads. Do you have people that'll modify carrot websites or do you have anybody that does web design? Yeah. So we have a full-time web designer on staff. That knows uh, how to use carrot. Yeah. So we're a carrot partner. So we work with them quite a bit and, you know, obviously they've been the majority player in the web space. I mean, really for forever. Um, plus the nice thing about carrot is a carrot is a, a customized WordPress installation. So most people in the sort of web development industry know WordPress front, front and back. Carrot, it runs the, 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 the sort of under, you know, the infrastructure or whatever of Carrot is WordPress. So it's all pretty straightforward. Um, I mean, typically what we're doing is building out separate landing pages for PPC specifically, mm -hmm. but we've worked with Carrot sites a whole bunch. You know, what I'll usually say about web stuff specifically is there's really two things to think about, right? One is just how does this speak to sellers, imagining that the seller is already there and how are you convincing them to contact you, right? And then there's all the technical stuff you do to get help people find the site in the first place, right? And that's what typically falls under the, the umbrella of SEO, right? Search engine optimization. You're gonna put your keyword in your header and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff's important, but I think it's way more important to have a website that speaks to a seller. If you go to the vast, and I'll estimate 90%, right? 90% of real estate investor sites. They don't have a picture of a real person. They're all stock photo people right? They don't tell you the name of the person you're going to be calling. They don't put the seller at ease. It just looks like a site like every other site. And you got to think about like, if you were a motivated seller, if you really think about what that means, that means like a person in kind of a bad situation. At the very least, they're probably anxious about getting on the phone with someone, right? And so the more you can do to put them at ease, put a stupid looking photo of yourself at your wedding or whatever, like on the website, just be like, Hey, it's me. Like I'm a real person. I'm a local person. Like I always tell this story. I had a coaching student who uh, had a carrot site and had one of the best conversion rates I've ever seen. Right. Just was really crushing it. And I was like, well, I want to know what you're doing because this is great. And his whole thing was, I don't know if the site's still up, but his whole thing was he was a nurse, right? He was a worked at a hospital. He's a legit nurse. He did real estate investing on the side. And so his website was like nurse buys houses and his logo was like dude in scrubs, like leaning up against the house or whatever. And he would show up to people's houses in the scrubs. That was like his costume. Right. And people love that. Like on his website, he's just like, Hey, I'm a nurse. I do this to help me retire. I love it. But you know, I love being a nurse. I love helping people. Like people bought into that story. They sold to him even when he wasn't the highest offer because he had a hook. Right? You had a thing that made him feel like a real person. And I think the more of that stuff you put on your website, the better it's going to be. The SEO stuff, a lot of times it takes care of itself. Carrot's great out of the box for SEO. You really don't have to do a whole ton. But like, you know, I'm not saying don't do it. But for me, the most important piece is like, if I land on this website, do I feel like I have a connection to you? Like I know, like, and trust you. And if you can do that, 
man, you're gonna you're gonna crush it. Those sites work very well. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll probably hit you up after this because uh, we need to do something with our carrot site. <laughs> oh man, yeah, do it. So, uh, personal development wise, do you have a favorite book? Oh man, do I have a favorite book? Everybody should read. Uh, so I have many favorite books. I will often recommend The Goal, uh, which is the book by Eli Goldratt that introduced me to Theory of Constraints. It's a really powerful one. It's a business novel, so it's a little weird. It's not really a format that people love nowadays, but um, but the book that I read most recently, and actually you, you might be really interested in, is this book called The Master and His Emissary by Ian McGilchrist. McGilchrist is a neuroscientist and uh, as far as I could tell, like a philosophy guy, but like his thesis in that book is that our brains, the, the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere of our brains don't just have different physical functions, but they represent profoundly different ways of seeing the world and that our culture and society has been moving progressively towards a left-brained way of being in the world and that it is a disaster. Mm. And I will say for a book that veers between, you know, like neuroscience to like Heidegger to Kant to Nietzsche to back to neuroscience. I mean, this dude, like he knows his stuff. This is not a light book. I think it took me like four months to finish it. It has completely changed the way I see the world, completely. Like it's the first time in a really long time I got a mental model of how the world works that profoundly changed like how I view human behavior, how I view my own behavior. Um, powerful, powerful book. So I always recommend that one to people. It's a bit of a heavy lift, but you can read it slow, right? You don't have to read the whole thing in a night. That's not what it's about. And uh, man, really made me think twice about um, kind of how I live my life and uh, why we do the stuff that we do. So really, really good one. The Master and His Emissary by Ian McGilchrist. Awesome. Yeah, that reminds me, or an example of that, that uh, I've never done this. And it's something that's terrifying to think about. One of my friends does guided ayahuasca ceremonies. He's the one that got me into NLP. And basically, but from my what I've seen about the science is you're poisoning your brain and it's causing the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere to get closer together in frequency mm. and mapping across from the left to the right hemisphere more so because basically you're slowing your entire brain down you're almost killing yourself like you go through this the first hour is vomiting so I, that's, right. I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of out I'm kind of not that interested in it but uh but you know people come out of those experiences and they're like wow i have new knowledge that yeah. i never had before and so it's hard to say if it's because they've you know poisoned themselves I mean, yeah we can we can tie it all the way back to the beginning because i read master and his emissary before i got into hypnosis and actually wrote a wrote a blog post uh, earlier in the week where i was like i think there's a connection there seems to be a connection between you know, a lot of hypnosis, if you look at like the classical hypnotic inductions, a lot of them are just, here's some for your brain to think about, you know, mm -hmm. you just can't think about that much and you're focused over here and then they're sliding suggestions in. 
over there. And I was like, that shares a lot in terms of the mechanism with what we know about the left hemisphere, how it works, how it can only hold a certain amount of data uh, at a time and all these things. And I was like, I thought it was very clever. And then last night I was reading uh, Hypnotherapy by Milton Erickson, which was like kind of like his big sort of like, here's how you do Ericksonian hypnotherapy and says right in it, like hypnosis is about the balance between the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. And I was like, this was written in 1967, right? And Master's Hemisphere was written like four years ago. Like it just, it again, man, the, the, the joy of seeing ideas come together is really, really cool. And uh, yeah, really interesting read. I think I think people will get a lot out of it. And, yeah, I, think, uh, it, I think it's yeah. so interesting too. Our our schooling system doesn't really focus on Erickson very much. Milton Erickson, nobody's really heard of him. Even even my friends that were in like sociology, psychology, even some of my friends who were like social workers, things like that. I'm like, have you heard of Milton Erickson? And they're like, yeah, there was like a brief thing about how he like founded hypnosis, and like that's the extent of our worlds you know like people quote Nietzsche and Carl Jung a lot but like not a lot of Milton in there yeah Erickson is I mean I'm fascinated by him but he's very hard to wrap your head around and I, I think part of the problem is if you want to be taught and like accepted in the culture you have to have a place that what you do fits right it's like okay here's the framework that we're operating in and here's where you are right you're over here you're liberal you're conservative or whatever the whatever your framework is right you need to place it somewhere and like erickson's like even among like weird therapists erickson is like pretty out there right and you read you can read transcripts of erickson's sort of ther therapeutic sessions and you're like what am i reading like what is this what was this like right it's like he's like oh Hey, do you like giraffes? And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's Monday. And she's like, what? And then it just it says like, she falls into a trance. And you're like, what? <laughs> it seems completely oh, insane. One, so, method, yeah. one method I learned in NLP was, because uh, they do some hypnosis in NLP. Uh, one method is to start a story, but not finish it. And then start another story, but not finish it. And then start right. another story, but then get to the end of that story insert all of the hypnotic suggestions finish that story then come back finish the second story then come back and finish the first story that you told and then wake them up i mean it is like i i love this stuff so much it is uh really fascinating and fun yeah man it just goes to show like there's no there's no end to it we live i mean look you say a lot about our culture today we obviously have a lot of problems the you know no matter where you are on the political spectrum you can look out at the world and be like there's a lot of stuff that ain't great right i'm not I'm not i'm not pushing the envelope with that statement but man if for nothing else the sheer amount of knowledge you can tap into for virtually nothing whether it's learning real estate investing on a podcast like this right learning online marketing learning hypnosis right like like you can just instantly connect to some of the smartest people in the world it is awesome it is awesome so you know it will we'll kind of end it because i've got to run in a little bit but I, I you know we can end it here i always say this like for people who are curious about marketing for their investing business it's very easy to get overwhelmed because there is a lot of stuff out there and i've got a blog a podcast where you got this like there's a million things out there you can go start if you want but like more than anything, the only thing that really matters is just get started. Just get started, 
doing anything. And when you run into an obstacle, just troubleshoot that obstacle and keep going. And it's going to be that for a long time. But you are going to be making so much more progress doing that than you are trying to wait for the perfect strategy to fall in your lap, right? Because it's just never going to happen. So, you know, I would say like for people who feel overwhelmed or feel intimidated by it, just start however you can doing the tiniest little thing. Just open up an Instagram profile for your business, post your first video. No one's going to watch it. Nobody cares, but you're starting and going from that zero to one is by far the hardest part. So if people just get started, I really think they're going to see, they're going to see the ROI on that. Awesome. Big time. Do you have, do you have time for one last question? Yeah, go for it. Okay. This is our legacy question. This is the deepest question of the podcast. Okay. So we're ending on a deep note. 57 years from now, you're on your deathbed. You live to hundred. Okay. You got a little bit of time left to leave a final message to the world. It's something you think the world needs to hear. It's going to be your legacy. Everybody's going to remember Daniel Barrett said this, and it could be a billboard. It could be a script. It could be a last note card, a paragraph, a mantra, hmm. whatever it is. It's your specific legacy message, your last imprint to the world. What are you saying? Man, you were kidding. That's a tough question, huh? If I could impart one thing to the world and people would actually remember it, the one thing I would put in everybody's brain would be, you know less than you think you do. I think the vast majority of the problems we run into, personal, professional, governmental, cultural, whatever you want to put, whatever level you're working on, I think the biggest mistake that we make is we vastly underestimate the amount of complexity in the world and we overestimate our ability to understand what's going on. We think we have a lock on cause and effect and that is very, very rarely true. Even when you think you're at a level where you understand cause and effect, a lot of times you don't understand it nearly as well as you think. And what that leads us to do is make really, really overconfident decisions where we don't try to mitigate downsides because, hey, we understand what's going to happen. And I think that leads us into all sorts of weird back alleys and dead ends, whether it's judging other people because we're like, hey, I understand that person's situation. I would just do X, Y, Z, and therefore that person's a you know pile of garbage or whatever. Or whether it's investment decisions where we say, hey, this is a sure thing and we put everything on black and then everything explodes. Or we think that, hey, I'm going to make this technology and everything's going to be great and I'm totally going to understand how it's going to work out. And then we don't. And I think if we really internalize that fact, I think we would be a much happier, safer and more prosperous culture. It doesn't mean we can't take risks, but a lot of times I wish we had a little less hubris and a little more respect for just how complicated the world is. Mm. Uh, so that would be my, that would be my thing, man. Might be different 57 years from now, but for now that's, that's how I feel. Awesome. All right. AdWords nerds. Is there any other way that people should get a hold of you besides Googling AdWords nerds? Then we're going to go find Dan Barrett of AdWords nerds on LinkedIn. How should people reach out to you? Yeah, I would say the best place is the website. So AdWordsNerds.com. 
Uh, I have a podcast that's called the REI Marketing Nerds Podcast, which you can get wherever you, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, we're everywhere there. Um, but, you know, I do a lot of writing on the blog. We've got a lot of blog posts, free content, all that stuff. And you can learn more about what we do there. And the podcast episodes get posted there as well. So it's a good place to check it out. So adwordsnerds.com. That's where we're at. Any final thoughts for viewers? No, man, but I appreciate this conversation. This was a fun, wide-ranging conversation. Uh, and I'll tell you what, you know that about me now. I love a bunch of random stuff getting connected together. So I had a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much for reaching out, coming on the podcast. And uh, we'll end it. We'll end it right there. Awesome. So yeah, that'll be where I'll cut it. Cool, man. That Thanks was great. <laughs> Super fun, man. No one ever wants to pick up the hypnosis ball. So that was awesome. I well, I have to I have to run because I got a meeting in like 20 minutes. I'm going to get my car and go there. But it's PSI seminars and uh, mental emotional release. That's, is that what you would have me? So, is that a good place to like good thing to Google or look up or something? Yeah, the problem with mental emotional release is you don't learn it until the second seminar. So NLP.com is only like 300 bucks for four days straight. Okay. And it's very content heavy. So the first day is a little boring and then you learn some pretty cool things toward the end of it. The second seminar is where you learn everything. Um, PSI seminars is sort of, it's one of the best ways to get massive self-awareness in the shortest period of time. Because mm. You're almost subjected to these uh, social experiments that they don't tell you the moral of the story until the end. So you mm. show up how you normally show up and then things about you get exposed to you where you're like, oh my gosh, I do that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, um, journal about it. And people raise their hand and be like, I just realized this about myself, you know? So PSI is massive awareness and empowerment. Uh, and then I would say NLP.com is more peace of mind and helping people fix problems at their subconscious level. All right. Sweet. I will, I will take a look at this. This looks super cool. Thanks for the recommendations, man. That's right up my alley. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Rad dude. All right. I got to run, uh, but this was awesome. And definitely if you need anything like, Oh, by the way, I did mean it. If you, if you want to just sit down and we'll go over your we'll book a time, we'll go over your Google ads account. Look, I guarantee like you probably, I mean, I don't know. You, I mean, I won't say you don't need anyone to manage it, but like I can almost guarantee there'd be like some things you could switch that would give you better results. Whether you want to run it or like spend four thousand bucks a month on it, that's another thing. But like that, it's it, it sounds like a just a bad strategic match. Not necessarily like someone's being shitty. It just sounds like they 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 headed off in the wrong direction. And like I, I could almost guarantee you could tighten that way way up. Yeah, I I need somebody to change our our carrot site first and get it looking nicer, and then we'll start running some Google. Well, I could probably run a few Google ads, especially for our own name. Haven't been running that one, so I might. I would well. if they're bidding on you. I would do it. Make them if they're going to bid on you, make them pay for it. Because mm -hmm. you, you could at least drive up their cost per click, so they got to pay like fifty bucks a click or whatever, and then you're like, yeah, give that money away. Is <laughs> these? All right, man. I will talk to you soon. Just hit me up, whatever you need, or if you have any questions or whatever, anytime. This was rad, dude. It's great to meet you. I appreciate awesome. it. Great to meet you. All right. Cheers, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Cheers. Have a good one.